Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome to hour two of the Eric Metaxas Show. Uh, if you've been listening, you know that uh, we're living in difficult, dark times in the greatest country in the history of the world, the United States of America. Uh, my guest is Brandon Strock. Brandon, what you've just described to me um, is so horrifying. I know these things have happened, but I've tried to avert my eyes because it's too painful to think that in this country, these things could happen, uh, that the force of government could be used against those who love this country, good people who have genuinely done nothing wrong. This is wicked. Uh, I want to be clear to use moral terms, not just legal terms. This is evil. Uh, I believe we're in a spiritual battle. This is not just a political battle, but your story is an example of how horrifying it is uh, when people who have power do not use those power for God's purposes, uh, for the purposes of freedom, for the purposes of uh, the taxpayers, um, but for other purposes. Um, You uh, ended the last segment. You said that they arrested you. Now, uh, I have no reason to believe you're not sharing uh, anything. You did less than nothing, but uh, there's a narrative. They're using that. Uh, they, they wanted to intimidate you, to bully you. Uh, the way they did it is wicked, um, even if there was a misunderstanding on their part. Um, but uh, so keep going. So they arrested you. This is the 25th of January a year ago. Yes. And um, to your point a moment ago, this all could have been handled incredibly, incredibly differently. You know, I would understand if the FBI knocked on my door and said, we'd like to have a conversation with you. We have a few questions for you. We know you were present on January 6th and we want to ask you about your experience. But that's not what happened. What happened essentially is, first of all, a family member turned me into the FBI, in addition to thousands of people on Twitter tagging the FBI on a daily basis. A member of my family actually contacted the FBI uh, to tell them that I was there and sent them a link to one of the Twitter trolls copies of my video. And from that, the FBI went to a judge and requested an emergency order to have me arrested and charged, which was granted to them. And then the FBI came to my house in SWAT gear at the crack of dawn and arrested me on charges without so much as asking me one, you know, tell us your story. Tell like, is, is this you, is this, none of that happened. The, so this evidence, there was no evidence that went before a grand jury and no grand jury ever decided, okay, yes, you should go charge him. This was all done based off of FBI seeing my video and going to a judge. And now I'm being taken to jail. And so I get to the jail house and uh, they processed me in. The first thing that happened was they took my mugshot and uh, made it into a bracelet, gave it a number. So I'm now wearing my mugshot on my wrist with a number. And at this point, I no longer have a name. I'm just a number in the prison or, you know, in the prisoner in the jail system. And the next thing they did was take me into a concrete stall where I had to take all of my clothes off, stand naked in front of a stranger who took my clothes away came back and brought me a pair of brown underwear, a brown T-shirt and an orange pair of pants and an orange smock. 
And from there, they took me in my orange prisoner uniform into a room called medical, uh, where a nurse guard was waiting for me in the medical room. The nurse guard, as I walked in, said to me, I need your arm. And uh, I said, why? And he came at me with a syringe and he said, I have to inject your arm. He said all new prisoners in the inmate, all new inmates in the jail system have to take a TB test. And I'm literally your brain can't even keep up with what is happening to you in a situation like this, because literally like an hour before this, I was sleeping peacefully in my bed. Now I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit with a complete stranger telling me he's about to stick a needle in my arm and inject a substance. And I have no, no ability, no rights anymore. I can't tell this person. No, I can't object. And so he, he injects a substance into my arm and says to me, if that it forms a bubble. And he says, if, uh, if this turns blue or purple, you might want to let somebody know. And from there, they took me into a room called in for intake evaluation, where they start asking me questions like, uh, have you ever had sex with a man? Why do you have AIDS? Uh, have you ever been in a gang? And th- then uh, are you feeling suicidal? And the question that I'll never forget was this man says to me, if a fight breaks out in the jail, are you able to defend yourself? And I'm just going, what the hell have I stepped into? Like what, what is happening in my life right now? And from there, I finished the intake evaluation. They allowed me to make a phone call. I was able to get in touch with one of my, uh, staff, uh, Libby Albert, the executive director of walk away. I told her Libby, I, I I'm in an orange jumpsuit. I'm they're putting me in jail. I'm being charged. I, I don't even know what I'm charged with. They told me I'm facing multiple felonies. I said, I didn't even go inside the building. I, I you know, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, Libby got to work along with my team to try to find me an attorney. And at this point, the, the, the guards in the jail have already told me that the, the courts are closed because they picked me up in the middle of a blizzard. So they said, because I was asking, you know, am I going to see a judge today? And they said, no, you're not going to see a judge today. The courts are closed. I said, will I see a judge tomorrow? They said, we don't know the court. We don't know if the courts will be closed tomorrow or not. But they're basically telling me, they said, you know, even if the courts are open, your case is going to be pushed back because the courts closed today. This is Monday. They're telling me it may be Thursday, Friday. It may be next week before you're able to see a judge. And they're telling me you're going to be put in 20. They said 23 hour a day lockdown. So you're you'll be allowed out of your cell one hour a day, but you're going to be locked in 23 hours a day in your cell. And we can't tell you when you're going to be able to see a judge. And so at that point, I had to get off the phone with my uh, with Libby, a member of my staff. And they took me up to the second floor, put me in a concrete cell with a metal door inside. There was a there was a steel toilet, a steel sink, uh, a a bunk bed and a metal door with a vertical window. And they closed the door. So I'm now inside a room made of concrete blocks and a metal door. They shut the door. And that's where I stayed for the next two days uh, before finally somebody came and let me out for the first time. This is unspeakable. Um, I will say it again. It's wicked. This is evil. Um, But it's important that people hear um, what the left in this country uh, and the the rhinos on the right have allowed to happen. Some of them have made this happen. It's the end of America. There is no America when people like you are treated this way. And it's why we're in a battle. 
were in a battle for freedom and for the nation. Um, so let's keep going, Brandon. Um, what happens after this? So on the second day, I was allowed out uh, to receive an attorney phone call. Uh, they took me downstairs. I talked to my attorney. I didn't know who this person was. My, my, my team had found this attorney for me. The attorney told me that he was able to get me a virtual hearing with a judge later that day. He said, I've already spoken to the prosecutor in D.C. Uh, and several people in government. He said, they're actually not going to fight your release. Um, he said, so there's a 99% judge that uh, a 99% chance that the judge uh, is going to release you today. And so about three or four hours later, I was let out once again to go to my virtual hearing with the judge uh, placed in another cell with a computer and a, a monitor. And um, I can't even, I think, describe in words how soul crushing it was for me to be standing there. And, in, I, I, you know, I hadn't showered in days. I was gross. I smelled bad. I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit and I'm standing before a judge who's saying to me, this is the case of the United States of America versus Brandon Strzok. And in that case, the prosecutor says to me, or says to the judge, you know, we know that Mr. Strzok didn't engage in any violence. We know Mr. Strzok didn't engage in any vandalism or destruction or theft. And we know Mr. Strzok didn't go inside the Capitol that day. Hang so on, Brandon. Uh, cliffhanger. We'll be right back. Folks, talking to Brandon Strzok. Brandon, uh, please just continue. So the the prosecutor is telling the judge that, you know, we know Mr. Strzok didn't engage in any violence and any vandalism, any theft or destruction. We know Mr. Strzok didn't go inside the Capitol that day. So we are not asking for detainment uh, up, you know, through to trial. We are okay with Mr. Strzok being released. And as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, according to you, the prosecution, you know, I didn't engage in any violence, vandalism, theft, or destruction. You know, I didn't go inside the building. Why did you send, send a SWAT team to my home to, to, to terrorize me and put me in Like, why is this happening like this? And so the judge did order my release. It was about another eight or nine hours before I actually got out of the jail. So they let me out after midnight. Um, so it was, it was quite literally the middle of the night when they let me out at that point and gave me my clothes back, opened the door, side door to the jail, said, have a nice life. And I walked outside. And as I said, there had been a blizzard. So I just everything was covered in snow. Everything was white. I had no phone. I, I had and, and I'm just standing out there. I had no car and I'm standing out there going, what do I do? I, I mean, what do I even do at this point? My lawyer had told me during that phone call that Libby from my, my team had flown to Omaha to be with me if I had, was going to be released. And I knew I had a pretty good idea of where she would be staying. So from that point, I walked to the hotel where my teammate Libby was staying. I was able to find her. They told me what room she was in. I went to her room. This is now like one in the morning, one thirty in the morning, something like that. And we just sort of held on to each other and cried and and uh, 
tried to process what had just happened. And at that point, I said to her, how bad is this? And well, the first thing I said was, is it in the news? And she said, "Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's in the news. It's everywhere. And I said, how bad is this? And she kind of took a deep breath and she said, well, our accountant quit. Our lawyer quit. Uh, We've been banned from all of our fundraising portals for walkaway uh, foundation and walkaway campaign pack. Our email service banned us. And she starts just listing off all of these things. I mean, literally almost everything with that, every tool we would need to do business. We've now been banned or canceled from just systematically within that time that I was in jail. And um, she, she said to me, I want you to know something. She said, you know, your freedom and your life are more important to me than any of this. She said, you know, we have done incredible things with walk away over the last three or four years. But if we have to now shut this thing down and, and just end this, she said, you know, we can start another business. We, we, we built this incredible thing out of nothing with honestly, very little support from above a very, very little hand up from anyone in the, in the Republican party or, uh, well, I'll leave it at that. But um, and I, I, I contemplated that for a second and I just said, no, absolutely. No, we are not going to throw in the towel and shut down everything that we have worked so hard to build over whatever it is that they're trying to do to us right now. That's not going to happen. And she sort of said to me, yeah, I, I, I figured that would be your answer. And she said, so we're just going to have to get get back to work now and rebuild everything that's been that's been destroyed in the in these few days. And so that began the process of what came next, which was really, honestly, the nightmare, believe it or not, was just about to begin. I'm just amazed. It's important we know what's going on. Thank you for sharing the story. So let us keep going Um, at this point. uh, I I mean, this is happening in, in Nebraska. To me in Nebraska, yes. But I mean, that's what's so bizarre. This is Nebraska. (laughs) They found you. The FBI finds you in Nebraska and is putting you through this hell. And of course, there are innumerable others across this country who've gone through similar and worse. Um, So let's just let's keep going. What happened? So I just want to at this point reiterate to your audience that. Again, I, I'm not here today to, to say that I did nothing wrong. It is illegal to go on the Capitol steps and protest. I did go on the Capitol steps during a protest I was filming. So I'm not here today to say that I did absolutely nothing wrong. What I am here to say is that I never went inside the Capitol. I stood on the East steps for eight minutes. Brandon, and- you don't even need to get into this. this. This is so ridiculous that you that you even that we're living in a climate where you need to clarify this stuff. Um, well, most but- of us know <laughs> you did less than nothing wrong. You did many things very, very right and courageous, uh, beautiful, laudable. I guess my point is, Eric, that if I had crawled into the Capitol through a broken window and went inside and started, you know, smashing things up or something, I wouldn't be sitting here today going, I can't believe all these things happened to me. But that's just not the story or the situation. But I was released from jail at that point. I was extremely traumatized from the experience of having the FBI come and pick me up and the time that I spent locked in that cell for two days. And I, uh, I, I didn't want to go back to my apartment. I was very afraid. So I ended up staying with Libby in her hotel room uh, for three days because I didn't want to be alone. And 
I'm talking about a very significant amount of PTSD. I mean, I was, I didn't sleep through the night for, for weeks. And during that time I would get up like every five minutes and look out the peephole. I would be staring out the windows. I was constantly, constantly terror, terrified that the FBI was watching me, listening to me, that they were coming back to get me again, that this wasn't over. And it took three days before I finally had the courage to go back to my apartment and Libby came with me. Well, look, this is the point. This is not Nazi Germany. This is what happened in the United States under Joe Biden. This is evil. I'll keep saying it. It's shocking. Uh, and we have to do everything we possibly can uh, to make sure these these injustices are 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 addressed, uh, which is one of the reasons, uh, one of the main reasons I have you on the program. So l- let's, let's keep going. I want to make sure we get to through everything. Keep going, Brandon. Thank you. So uh, it, it's now three days after I've been released from jail. I, I'm suffering pretty severe PTSD and a lot of fear about going back to my apartment. So it took three days before we went back to my apartment. And as we're approaching the door and already my heart is pounding out of my chest as I'm, I'm getting toward the end of the hallway, approaching the door to my apartment. And we notice that there is a, an envelope taped to my door. So I'm already going, Oh my God. Oh my God. We open the envelope and there's a letter inside from my, the, the manager of my building that I have lived in for a year and the letter says, you have 30 days to vacate the building. They're kicking me out of my apartment because this has been all over the news for the last week. And so in the middle of everything else that I'm going through, I'm now learning that I am being kicked out of my apartment and I have to find a new place to live within 30 days. So at that point, I enter my apartment. And the first thing I notice is just footprints all over my apartment, like muddy footprints. It, it, it just you, you just see that these agents were everywhere. They were all over the place going through my things and their foot tracks are just everywhere, everywhere. And um, I would say it was just a few days after that, that I went down to my mailbox and opened my mailbox. And I had gotten a letter telling from the government telling me that they were revoking my TSA pre-check status, that I was no longer considered to be a low-risk traveler, and that I no longer had TSA pre-check privilege. And this type of thing started happening on an almost daily basis. And it may be difficult for people to understand, but I'd like to put them in the mind frame of somebody who's been uh, raided by the FBI, taken to jail, terrorized in the news and called an insurrectionist and a terrorist and by CNN and MSNBC and everything. I'm now evicted from my apartment. I now have my TSA pre-check status revoked. And in, on an almost daily basis, if I open my mailbox, I'm getting another letter and another letter and another letter or something to tell me that I'm now banned from this. I'm now restricted from that. I'm now on some list. I'm now, and it, I developed, which I still have to this day, a fear and a complex about opening my mailbox or answering the phone. If I don't recognize the phone number or God forbid, if some, if I get a knock on the door and I'm not expecting somebody, I, I consider jumping out of my window because this just became an endless like machine gun fire of, uh, of terror and intimidation and punishment for something, by the way, that I hadn't even, I hadn't even gone to trial. I hadn't even pled guilty or not. I hadn't even pled. I was being accused of things on January 6th 
and I am being banned, 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 put on lists, put on lists, put on lists. And meanwhile, the conservative media is radio silent, radio silent. I mean, on an almost daily basis, these these major conservative media. Give me the worst examples. What do you mean about this? I mean, literally everybody. I mean, for the last three years previous to this, I was a regular uh, guest contributor on Fox News, on Newsmax, on OAN, uh, you know, on uh, the the smaller publications, things like this. For people who follow politics, I'm a pretty well known and pretty. This is the uh, we're going to another break. We'll be right back with Brandon Strzok. show talking to brandon strock brandon you're telling a harrowing harrowing story um uh you just uh said that all of the conservative media and by the way i don't consider this program conservative uh media but the conservative media went silent on you they were not interested in the fact that you'd been put through bloody hell at the hands of the federal government uh for doing nothing uh for being a patriot uh, they seem to be worried about themselves, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly was going on, but just uh, let's keep going with your story. Sure. So I guess my point in bringing up the conservative media is that this was this wasn't just something as terrible as getting picked up on charges, taken to jail, getting out. And I mean, this was this was something that was having, like I said, an almost daily fallout, something new, something new. And, and I mean, things that make you feel less than human or feel like you're never going to be able to dig your way out of this hole that just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Not to mention that they've made it all but impossible for my business to continue going forward. And I have six, seven, eight full-time employees, not to mention a a dozen other part-time contractors that I employ on, on a, you know, ongoing basis. And we now have no donor money coming in because they banned my donor uh, portals and my payment systems. Uh, they banned up my ability to email my, my donors and my base and my lawyer. And I agreed that I should stay out of, you know, doing social media and things like that because he's like, they're going to be watching everything that you say. And if you're out there talking, they're going to find another reason and another reason and another reason to come out after you. So just try to be quiet for the time being. But in the meantime, I'm just asking myself, I'm like, my God, you know, I, for years, I worked so hard for the conservative movement. I worked so hard for president Trump. I worked so hard for the Republican party and like not one person can you know, God forbid, go out publicly and be like, this is a good guy. Just like, let's not forget this is a good guy. But even call me on the phone or send me an email or a text message and just say, are you OK? Like, are uh, like, do you need anything? We're behind you. Nothing. I mean, just radio, radio silence as I'm going through this. And the next thing that happened, which was mind blowing to me, was Now, I've at this point gotten the letter from from the government saying that they're revoking my TSA pre-check status. But the first time that I tried to travel after being released from jail and mind you, I'm on pretrial supervision. So I now I have to request permission to be able to leave the state of Nebraska. 
So I was granted permission to go on a trip in April and I went to the airport as normal. And when I got there, I'm trying to check in for the flight and the, the, the ticket agent at the gate is looking at my, my account and going, well, this is very odd. This is very strange. I said, what's going on? And he said, well, it's telling me that I need to call headquarters. And I said, Okay. now immediately my heart starts pounding again because I'm starting to get a clear idea of what's probably going on. And the PTSD is beginning to kick in again. And so he he calls his headquarters and then the headquarters says, well, we've got to call TSA. So it becomes a three way call between the ticket agent, the, the, the airline and TSA. And I'm standing there for literally 35 minutes as they're kind of looking me up and down. And then he says to me, sir, are you traveling today with firearms? I said, no, I'm not traveling with firearms. And in the meantime, I called my pretrial services officer, Julie, and I said, Julie, I think I'm about to be arrested again. Like I'm at the airport. They're being really weird. And I think that like I feel like they're going to arrest me. And she said, you have permission to travel. If anything happens, call me. She said, but this is very strange. I don't know what's going on. So they end up handing me my boarding pass after 35 minutes. And I noticed that my boarding pass has a large four large red letters on it that say SSSS. I've never seen that before. And it's circled. So I go upstairs to security. And as I try to go through security, uh, they scan my boarding pass and it goes and a big red light flashes. And the TSA agent says, sir, you need to wait here. I have to get my supervisor. A supervisor comes over and says, sir, you've been placed on a terrorism watch list. Uh, you have a designation of SSSS or quad S, which means that you have to be subject to secondary screening in order to travel. He said you have the option to turn around and go home. But if you can, but if you choose the option to continue and travel, you have to agree to our uh, screening uh, protocols. And I said, OK, that's fine. So this was the first time that I went through this. But what I'm about to describe to you right now is what I now go through Every single time I travel because the government has put me on a terrorism watch list with an SSSS designation at the airport. So when I go through security now, I have to go through the metal detector and the screeners multiple times. And then when I get through that, they first of all, they close off an entire security lane just for me. And they have to bring eight or nine TSA agents over to this line just to screen me. This screening process takes about an hour. They go through and they take pictures of my boarding passes. They take pictures of my IDs. They do a complete, thorough, full body pat down, which includes putting their hand down my pants. They touch my genitals. They touch my backside. They go up, up and down my legs multiple times. They swab my hands and they test it for explosive materials. They take every single item, every single item out of my bag and swab it and test it for explosive materials. Uh, they test my feet. They test my hands. This process takes about an hour. Then when that's over and I they finally say you're cleared to go. They have a team of agents follow me around the airport. Sometimes these agents have dogs. So if I go to my my boarding gate, let's say it's gate a one. I'm sitting there at gate A one waiting for the plane to board and they station TSA agents all around me on all four corners and two or three around kind of where I am. Like I said, sometimes they have dogs. They bring special equipment to the gate. This is every time. This is not okay. This is every time I travel. They bring machinery to the gate so that when it's time to board and they're scanning people's boarding passes and it's my turn to board, they screen me all over again. They take every item out of my bag I'm again. Uh, this is uh, this is painful for me just to hear, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're gonna keep going. Stick around. Oh,
Folks, this is Eric Metaxas show. Our website, ericmetaxas.com. Please sign up for our newsletter um, so you can get videos of all of these conversations. I continue my conversation with our friend Brandon Strock. Brandon, it's hard to hear this stuff, to know that you have been through this and to know that our government has put you and innumerable others through hell. Um, it is evil. I keep saying that. Let's not forget. This is not okay. There's nothing okay about this. Um, so you've been through that, this thing that you're describing over and over again. I'm not sure what's going through your mind. Uh, I can't imagine. Well, the first time that I, w- that I experienced this, it was, I, I mean, honestly, I, I almost felt like I was going to have a breakdown because again, it, it just, it, it had only been a couple of months since the FBI had raided my home, put me in jail. I was in 20. And by the way, they call it 23 hour lockdown. It was 24 hour lockdown. They, the, the days that I was in jail, I was never given my hour outside of my cell. So it was 24 hour lockdown that I was in my cell. And I'm now at the airport with all of these government security agents telling me, that I am a suspected terrorist and screening me as they would screen a terrorist. And so if I'm at the gate now and we're about to board the plane after the hour of security screening and the 35 minute phone call, which by the way, happens every time, every time I check in, the ticket agent has to call the headquarters and TSA. I stand there for 35 minutes while they go through the questions, send me to security hour of security. The, the, the agents then follow me around the airport. And as I'm about to board the plane, so you've got all of the hundreds of passengers boarding a plane and they pull me aside. They begin swabbing my hands again with a special machine that they bring to the gate. They swab all the items in my bag again and test them for explosive materials. And they give me a full body pat down complete with putting their hand down my pants in front of all of the other passengers as we're boarding the plane. So guess what that does? That terrifies all of the other passengers who are about to get on a flight with me. This is every time I fly now, I have hundreds of people sitting around me going like, like if I, God forbid, I lean down to tie my shoe, you know, or something because, and naturally these people are horrified. And if I have a connecting flight, they do it all again at the connecting airport, go through my bags, swab my things, the full body pat down at the connecting gate. So that's what it's like now for me every time I fly and every time I travel because I've been put on a terrorism watch list. But to make matters worse, on that first flight, after I've just gone through that and I've just experienced that and I'm, I'm again just in this state of kind of triggering the PTSD, I'm on the plane going through my emails on the, the first time after I flew that, that I'd gone through this. And I had an email from USA Today and USA Today said, hi, this is so and so a reporter from the extremism department at USA Today. They cover stories about white supremacists and domestic terrorists and things like this. They said, we're doing a story about you and other people who attacked the Capitol who are using crowdfunding to support your legal defense funds and that you're using major payment processors like PayPal and Stripe and Venmo to help support your legal defense funds. Do you have a comment? 
Well, naturally, I didn't respond. But within 24 hours of them sending me that email, I got emails from PayPal, Venmo, and Stripe telling me that I am permanently banned for the rest of my life from being able to use PayPal or Venmo or Stripe because they were the payment processors that were attached to my legal defense fund that people were contributing to. So I have now been permanently banned from using those those portals because of USA Today. And so this is what I'm saying, that it has just been an ongoing, unending. I mean, the ways in which I have had to pay and pay dearly for the eight minutes that I stood outside of the east side of the Capitol is unfathomable. And I think the scars that I have bared from from the punishment that I have taken just up until this point are probably going to last me a lifetime. Well, look, you but- understand it's not for those eight minutes. It's for who you are. It's that you have been a voice for freedom and truth. It is because of that. Uh, the eight minutes is a technicality. Uh, they're using these things. Uh, th- these are legal technicalities. This is simple persecution. Um, I'd like to think that they know not what they do, many of them. Uh, they have no idea, but some do. Uh, I want to talk to you uh, as we go uh, into tomorrow to continue the conversation about what we can all do and, and, and what to think of this. But let's let's just keep going with with your story. Uh, we've only we've got minutes left today. What else can we tell? Well, I think I would like to save for tomorrow the, the next step of this horror, which is in the month of September, after going through all this all year, I was then served in a civil suit. Uh, this a a what I am calling a social justice warrior nonprofit law firm in Washington, D.C., uh, which I'd be willing to guess is heavily funded uh, by Democratic Party operatives, um, f- served civil uh they 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 served a civil a summons to me and dozens of other people representing seven capital police officers uh black and brown capital police officers saying that this was a racially biased attack by trump supporters and in this suit they are claiming that i violently breached barricades to enter the capitol grounds and then physically assaulted police officers, including these plaintiffs. Eric, I have never met these people in my life. I didn't encounter them on January 6th or any other day. They were working, as far as I know, on the west side of the building at a time that I wasn't even there. And so I'm now facing civil charges from seven Capitol Police officers who are claiming that I attacked them, who I have never met in my entire life. This is it's nothing less than astonishing uh, to to hear this. It's nothing less than astonishing that things could go downhill this quickly in the United States uh, of America. Um, I, um, I, I want to talk to you uh, more uh, about uh, all of this, uh, Brandon, but um, I think we'll um, for today, uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Albin and I will come on in a moment uh to share a few things but this is crazy stuff folks i hope you're listening carefully i hope you're taking notes uh if you pray i hope you pray for the country um brandon should we uh keep you for the next four minutes uh, or should we just skip till tomorrow oh i'm happy to stay for the next four minutes uh hang on let's do that so we'll be right back final thoughts with brandon strock for today changed you in your life Oh,
talking to myself and feeling uh, Folks, uh, hey, where's Albin? It's not Albin. It's just me. I want to finish uh, today's program talking to our friend Brandon Strock, a patriot. Brandon, um, tomorrow we'll get into more stuff. But for now, for people who are listening, what can they do to help you? What can they do to help? Well, because this has been such a full scale assault on me, both in terms of criminal charges, now civil charges uh, and a number of other legal uh, problems that I've had to face as fallout from all of this. Uh, this has been and by the way, this it, let's not kid ourselves that this isn't the reason why all of this happened. It has been not only spiritually and mentally and emotionally and psychologically destructive to me, but it's also been incredibly financially destructive, which is, I think, one of their their key purposes in attacking me this way on so many levels. And so I, if anybody wants to help, because I, I'm not through this, uh, the, the I've now been sentenced in my criminal case, which is great because that's, I guess, at least one piece of beginning to put this to rest. And by the way, I, I'm sitting here today interviewing you with an ankle monitor on my ankle because I'm not allowed to leave my apartment. Uh, as a as a part of my sentencing. But um, if people want to help as I go through this legal nightmare, which is on and going that we haven't even gotten to the civil case yet, they can go to my website, which is brandonstrock.com. And my last name is spelled S-T-R-A-K-A. It's spelled like Straka. Brandonstrock.com. And right there on my homepage, there's a button that says if people would like to contribute to my legal defense fund, there's several options. They can either make a one time contribution or they can be an ongoing supporter if they want to do you know, $5 on a monthly basis. $1 on a monthly basis adds up. Uh, so if people want to help, please go to Brandonstrock.com and help me as I go through this because it's nobody I'm- should have to go through this alone. It's, it's horrifying. Well, uh, I, I want to, I know many people listening right now are, will go to brandonstrock.com. Folks, Brandon, you know how to spell that, but Strock, S-T-R-A-K-A, S-T-R-A-K-A, Brandon Strock or Straka, uh, as you uh, spell it, brandonstrocka.com. Brandon, um, again, tomorrow we'll get into more uh, about this, but this is chilling. This is very difficult uh, to, to think that our government would do this. And listen, uh, people that would agree with us on all kinds of stuff uh, don't seem to understand this aspect of what is happening. We've had plenty of people on the conservative side uh, say nasty things about January 6th protesters. I thought to myself, this is these are the best people in the country who were there on January 6th. Uh, we still don't know uh, who broke windows. And by the way, if you break a window, um, that might not be legal, but that's not a reason to treat somebody like they tried, you know, to kill uh, a member of Congress. I mean, honestly, the madness that has been unleashed as a result of January 6th does make me think that it was um, that this was intentional that there are dark forces in our government that are trying to demonize good people, people who love freedom. This has happened in other countries. It's not happened uh, in the United States until now. So, folks, I hope you go to brandonstrock.com. Again, Brandon is B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Strock is S-T-R-A-K-A. Brandon Strock with an A at the end, dot com. Brandon uh, will continue the conversation with you. Um, 
Very grateful for you. And thanks for coming on this program. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. 